Welcome to Mandarin Baptist Church, where we are the generations declaring the redemptive story of God on Everyday Mission. We are so glad you decided to join us for this week's message. For this series, we are doing a deep dive into Romans chapter 8. This chapter is widely regarded as one of the most powerful passages in the Bible. So let's get ready for what God wants to show us and say to each of us. We are alive and free. If, if you would allow me, I would love to fulfill what Josh has already testified about us, that we are a people that just love Scripture. And I would, I would greatly value anchoring two thoughts from the eighth chapter of the book of Romans. We've been working verse by verse, and kids are going to worship. I love it. So we have been walking verse by verse through the eighth chapter of Romans. And this is what I love about Scripture is um, I, I finished this sermon on Wednesday, and I didn't have to hunt around for a message about a storm. I just get to teach Scripture. And it's way better, far better than a good thought from a pastor. And so in the eighth chapter, verses 30 and 31, there's just this truth that in Jesus we have everything. And I think that it would be a beautiful thing for us to center ourselves in that. In him, we have, let me make even more broad statement, in Jesus we have everything now according to the 30th verse of the eighth chapter and more to come. And so we're thankful for that. And I just want to read this scripture, Romans 8, 30, and 31. And it, it's rolling out of a verse very familiar to us that everything works together for good to those who love God. He is therefore then predestined us to, as lovers of his, to be conformed to the image of his son. And here's where he carries us to. So if that's our purpose, then he's predestined us. He's also called us. And if he's called us, he's also justified us. If he's justified us, he's also glorified us. That's like four months of truth that could sink into our soul. So verse 31, what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who can stand against us? And so I just have two thoughts that I would love to read a lot of scripture into. And so um, for the online community, we're going to hang out in the 8th chapter of Romans. And for those of us in this room, here's just some thoughts. We, we are called by God, according to Romans. And in this idea that in Him, we have everything now and more coming, apart from Him, we have nothing. And so we really want to anchor ourselves in this truth and reality that, Father, we have a calling. And, and I would suggest to you that God's calling is found here. And I'm not venturing outside of this, the scripture, verse 29. Here's your calling. For those of us that God foreknew, he predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son so that we would be the firstborn among brothers and sisters. I had the privilege of reading and teaching a bit of that verse last week. And unbeknownst to me, seven days later, I would stand and say, Father, you have given us a great understanding of why you would allow things to work together for good. Because right now, Lord, we have this calling to be a people who are taking on the very image and 
person and personality and walk, the attitude that we have is the same as that of Christ Jesus. And in that, there is this extraordinary privilege to be the firstborn, the people who walk about as a people of passion and expectancy in the middle of pandemic among many brothers and sisters. This is such a beautiful reality of our calling. God, it says this in, in 1 Peter 2.21, you were called to this because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you would follow in his footsteps. That's really the anchor that we want to have as we walk through this season, that God, you have called us to be this privileged people who are conforming to the image of your son so that we can unmistakably make him clear as we walk this earth. Jesus was sent into the pages of human history with this hope, according to 2 Corinthians 4, 6. God, who said, let the light shine out of darkness, made his being Jesus' light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. And that glory would also resonate through us so that as we walk about as a people of grace upon grace and glory upon glory, we are making known or manifest the calling of our lives which is to be through the foreknowledge of God born into the image of Jesus. Oh my goodness. So thank you, God, that this is who we are and what we're about. I just have two thoughts that are popping up on the screen. God has put on display the light of the knowledge of his radiant glory. That glory is found as as well in the face of Jesus Christ. It's almost like Jesus sketched this canvas from God For all of us to see and understand, Father, what is the purpose of our calling? And we get to fulfill that by knowing Jesus. And I think when we begin to say, what is your perfect image, God? What does it look like? I don't run to this idea. For instance, in Hebrews, where it says that Jesus is the exact representation of God's being. I'm not looking for a calloused-handed dark-haired, olive-skinned, bearded Jewish man with a, a lamb in his arms, although I have a picture like that in my office. That's, that's not what I'm running around looking at. I'm looking of, as I wrestle with how do I, in the middle of the scenarios that I'm walking in, or more importantly, a month from now, God willing, and this has passed, Father, how do I walk around um, allowing your presence and your spirit to live through me? So we're, we're alive, we're We're allowed and invited to look into the pages and discover the very heart of Christ. What were the attitudes of Jesus? We flow through Scripture seeking out this idea, this calling that we have in our lives to be the very presence and the person of Jesus as we walk about. We're seeing how he treated others. We're seeing the priorities that he had. We're seeing that the way that he lived. We're seeing what he valued. We're seeing a very picture of God. And the book of Hebrews says, you are invited to take on this attitude, that's Philippians, if you will, of that of Christ Jesus. You're invited to walk through this representation of God. You are becoming this as you walk this earth. We're seeing a picture of Jesus and we're starting to say, oh Lord, this is our calling. For those he called, he justified. For those he justified, he glorified. Here I am, Lord. Am I in my passions, in my movement, as I walk about in this season? Am I displaying the wonder of who you are? I mean, the life and death of Jesus, which is where he goes immediately, if God is for us, who could be against us? He didn't spare his own son, but offered him for us all. How will he also not grant us everything in him? 
This life and death of Jesus teaches us so much that God is holy and powerful, omnipotent. He is the ruler of all things. He is the firstborn among the dead, meaning that he is the first to to demonstrate the power over death, hell, and the grave and to lead many brothers and sisters. And then he passed that on to us so that we could have the image of God being born out through us so that we could be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That is our calling. What a privilege in this season. To be able to wrestle with this and say, Lord, what does this look like? Not only is he all-powerful, the ruler of all things, greater than all things, loving, saving, generous, and compassionate, but it moves to our capacity to live this out, venturing back in Romans 8, because we are called not to be able to do this in our strength, but to move back to a father that we call Abba, that we abide in, that we rest in, and that God begins to paint the story of the spirit of Christ into our souls. What a privilege in Christ we have everything apart from him nothing what an extraordinary privilege to say Jesus paint this that we are loved by Abba Father I my first thought as I begin to wrestle with how do I communicate or more importantly for me how do I flesh out what you seem to be saying to me in scripture how does this come alive for me and I immediately thought of of Revelation in one of the churches when he's talking to the church and saying you're not there yet which I don't know where you land my hand would go in the air I'm not there yet but Lord I want to be more like you out of the seventh chapter of the book of Romans that led into the eighth chapter of book of Romans Paul's writing and saying everything I want to be about I'm not everything I don't want to be about I am but here is what I know that's not who I am I want to become like Jesus I want Jesus to take hold of my soul and I I serve this Lord who's wrestling this out with us who is my Abba my daddy my papa I get to abide in him and go to him and say father pour out your spirit because you're the way maker you're the promise keeper you're, you're the miracle worker. Lord, would you do something miraculous and allow me to, to, to just have this, this taste of Jesus in my soul so that when others come up against me, they would meet him. And he says, look, I'm knocking. And I love this passage in Revelation. It says, I'm knocking and I know you're not there and I know that you're struggling. I know you're mediocre, but if you will open the door, I will walk in. And here's what it says of this Abba Father. Revelation paints a picture for us. He says, to them who have overcome, to those who love me, to those who seek my face, to those who open the door to a journey with me, to those who live out your adoption, according to Romans 8, to those who have given their name. I Listen to this. This is what he says to them. Not, I give give you the right to do really well on this earth. Not I give you the right to walk about and you're going to be prolific as you make your way. Here's what he says. I give you the right to sit with me on my throne because I am your papa. I am your daddy. I am your father. And I will give you such a perspective as you open the door to relationship with me, to walking with me, that I will walk this out with you. I give you the right to sit in the midst of that and that's incomprehensible to me. We are loved sons and daughters and we sit as we are wrestling in a pandemic moment. We sit as a people of Jesus in the thrones of heaven surrounded by holy, holy, holy simultaneously. Hard to grasp, but truth biblically. We sit in this reality of the heavenlies. We catch a glimpse of the eternal. We see wild beings that are created that are worshiping with abandon. We see the nations 
Whoa, that's beautiful in this context right now. We see the nations and we see them gathering around the songs. We see creatures. We hear songs. We watch elders. We listen to languages. We know there are languages. We hear and understand. We are beautifully surrounded by the kingdom of glory. And for those who are walking on this earth as a church and knock on the door and say, Father, I hear your calling. He says, come on in. Love me. Walk with me. You are my child. We are loved sons and daughters of God. And we get to walk out this calling of this intimacy that we have with Jesus. I can do nothing by myself. Nothing. But boy, can I do all things through Christ who strengthens my soul and who gives life. So my first thought was that we have nothing in him, but we have every, nothing apart from him, but everything is found in him. Jesus said it this way, to add a little bit of leverage to what I just shared. I can only do what the Father is doing. To amplify that verse, I can do nothing by myself. I only do what the Father is doing. For what the Father is about, I am as well. That's Jesus' words. As a dearly loved son and daughter of the King of glory... Wouldn't it be a beautiful reality for us to open the door and begin to sit in the heavenlies with him, to have a perspective, to have a holy rest about us, and to maybe amplify the words of Jesus, I could do nothing by myself. I can only do what my Abba, my Daddy, my Papa is about. And what I see the Father is doing, I want to move with that. You and I have access to that privilege according to Scripture. We have the access to the joy and the knowledge of God. In Romans, Paul calls this the, this the gospel. He says this of the gospel. It's the power of God for the salvation for everyone who believes. That's Romans 1, 6 thing. It's not, it's not the power of God for our conversion. The gospel remains the power of God for our salvation and our glorification. For those he has called, he's justified. Those he's justified, he's also glorified. So for each of us who are called, we're also justified. To those of us who are justified, we are glorified. Romans 8, 31 and 32 says, what then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who could be against us? He didn't spare his own son, but offered Jesus up for us all. He will also, how will he not also with him grant us everything? The gospel remains the power of God for salvation until we are fully glorified. And then as I read the book of Revelation, we just keep removing any kind of a worshipful thing or any kind of an importance of us and laying at the feet and raising our eyes, crying out, holy, holy, holy. Tim Keller wrote it this way. The gospel isn't the ABCs of our faith. The gospel is the A to Z of our faith. All theology is an exposition of the gospel of Jesus among us. And if we are in this day, in this perilous moment, to be able to flesh out the gospel, then we need to be anchored in this apart from Christ, nothing, in Jesus, everything. Father, I want to open the door and rest in you. I want to walk this out, Father, with your hope of the gospel prevailing because I know in my own conversations the last two days, there's not a lot of gospel presence and they, there's this desperate need for us to walk about anchored in this idea of who we are. Every bit of our maturity and growth in our journey is an appropriation and application of the gospel. May we stand under the waterfall of the grace of Christ today 
in the incredibly unknown. May we stand because it is profound for our daily living and our ability to make Jesus known. These blessings amount to everything. Let's put that on the screen right now. I everything means above all the miracle of our right standing forever with God. And I just would like to read that two or three more times. Our everything, and I don't know what your everything is. So when I say the word I, I'm saying this people who long to anchor their lives in Jesus means above all else. Just being stunned by the miracle of our right standing forever with God. That's justification. That I have been made right with God through Christ. This is biblically and theologically justification. This is big and supremely important as a people of Christ. Justification is the determining factor in my relationship to God. It's not about my past or present. It is Christ's past and present and future that we walk in as a people who are saying, we're called, Lord, and we are justified. We are free. There is this great exchange that has happened in Christ's righteousness. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, he made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in Jesus we could become the righteousness of God. When I was in college, um, Josh, I love your testimony. When I was in college, uh, I had an incredible group that walked verse by verse through scripture with me and then also introduced me to people like Jerry Bridges. One of my favorite writers is Jerry Bridges. I remember as not only a college student, but a young youth pastor walking through um, groups of kids in, in this pursuit of holiness was the Bible. There was two. That's not the Bible, the book. Um, the pursuit of holiness, the practice of God, godliness. Um, Jerry Bridges also wrote Trusting God, life-altering moments. I ran across in light of this scripture today, Jerry Bridges in one of his um, statements. In fact, it's about the moral ledger and this idea of justification. I think it's coming up on the screen. He said, look, picture a moral ledger sheet of every word, thought, deed, and motive of yours. And I'm kind of reading the white portion first. Entered on that sheet. Most hope the good will outweigh the bad. That's really where we lay in this world. I think, unfortunately, many of us kind of rest in that camp. Let's not. The problem is all of our deeds are stained. All are unclean. All are impure. Dropping down. Justified is not just as if I'd never sinned. That is a great truth, but it's actually better just as this I've always obeyed. God has credited the very righteousness of Jesus Christ to every believer. Let me read the scripture again. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There's no such thing as a positive ledger seat. You don't have it except in the case of Jesus Christ. His ledger sheet was perfect. So at the cross, our ledger sheet was charged to Christ, all our sin. So his ledger sheet is credit to us, all his righteousness, holiness, wonder. We should knock on that door. We should rest in that truth and reality of what it means to be here. Just let this rest your soul. To be justified means that you are forever right with God and eternally his. Have you received that gift in him? And will you live that gospel before others? That's the privilege and call. Everything is from him. Everything is by him. Everything is through him. Everything is for him. You are eternally his and you and I are glorified in him and for his glory. Everything has been done on our behalf. 
Have you ever had this? I kind of try to make this happen with Matt and Garrett when we go out for meetings. But um, you ever had this? Like you're out to lunch and you're just hanging out with a friend and, and you know, you've, you've got to run to the restroom and it's right at that moment when the check arrives. I, I, I try to make that happen. Rarely does it, does it work. And then I mean, you roll back up with your friend and they just look at you and they kind of go, hey, we're good. You're looking around, you know, falsely pretending that you tended to pay. No, we're, it's good, man. You, you, you can go out. I look at him, you pull out your wallet. I'm going to hand him my card. Just, I got this. No, we're good. There's nothing you need to do. There's nothing you need to do. There's nothing you need to do. And here's what I would just say that Jesus is looking at us in this moment and saying, come and abide in me and rest in me because everything has been done on your behalf. Everything's been done in your behalf. When Paul writes that you and I are justified and fully glorified in Romans 8, 31, he's literally saying, you're good. Hear this church. Hear this online family. You're good. Jesus has paid your debt. Your obligation has been paid in full. You owe nothing. You're justified. Enjoy his glory. Walk about in that. Our standing with God is not based on our ongoing struggle for Jesus, but on Jesus' finished struggle for us. Man, this is such great news in a perilous time. The gospel is that, good news. It's wonderful. It's too glorious for us. It's freeing. It's gracious. And I would pray that, it, that we would be a people that are not just a gospel of salvation, but that we would return to it every day, that we would persevere in the gospel, that we would cast everything into this, that we would push deeply into the grace, according to scripture, in which we now stand, that this gospel would keep us fixing our eyes on Jesus, and that we would turn to everything. And as Garrett comes to close us in worship, I want to close with the power of everything. And I want to just read scripture for a few minutes. We know in Romans 8, 28, that all, that everything works together for good. For those of us who love God, who are called according to his purpose, all things, everything, all things. Paul writes that God has predetermined our calling, our justification, and our glorification. He predestined those he called, and those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he glorified. What do we say about this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He didn't spare his son, but offered him up for everyone, for all. And that's what compels some of us to walk out this day in love with Jesus and to make him known. And it compels others of us to go to far lands because he gave all. Romans 8.35 says, what separates us from the love of Christ? Affliction, nakedness, famine, Persecution, danger. His conclusion is nothing. No. In all things, we are more than conquerors 
through Jesus who loves us. And this would be my prayer for you. For I am persuaded. I am convinced. I am sure that neither death nor life, angels nor rulers, things present or things to come, powers, height, depth, nor any other created thing, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That is our everything. So sit down, child, in the lap of your father. Look at the nations, the creatures, the cry of heaven. Glance at the temporal. Live in the eternal. Anchor yourself in the one who is everything. Thank you so much for joining us in this series. We are encouraging everyone to read through Romans 8 every day through Alive and Free. God's Word is living and moving, and we believe He wants to speak to us through this passage. So take the challenge with us. We also would love for you to stop by on Sundays. We have small groups at 9.15 a.m., and our service is at 10.30. We would love for you to be a part of this movement of God with us. So we hope to see you soon.